Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 85 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and boy, am I glad to talk to you. I haven't talked to you like live and in person and in real time for a long time. I think the last four episodes have had no intro because I was traveling, 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 and I'm at home. The last two weeks have gone out episode less, and I apologize for that. I just literally didn't have time. I was in Italy, and I thought I would uh, get away with putting something out, and I didn't. Um, I I appreciate those of you who reached out to check to see if I was okay. I am okay. I am great. Uh, This will be one of those personal podcasts today. I don't have a guest. Um, I have a great guest next week, so stay tuned. But um, this week is just going to be me talking about a bunch of stuff. So it is um, the end of April in 2018, which I cannot believe it is almost May. And there have been large sea changes over here. If you listen to my other podcast with Jay Thorne, The Pedal to the Metal, um, you've already kind of heard my big news, uh, which I told him. And in telling him, I kind of came out to everyone else. But uh, I want to share it on this show, even though it might not be a good idea. Welcome to Rachel Land. Might not be a good idea. TM. I have a new thing I'm doing. It's big. It's big for me. It's not big for you. It's not going to be anything to do with your writing. It's very little to do with my writing, if anything. Uh, So I will not belabor the point, but I got sober on um, February 20th, right before I went to Barcelona and then spent the next approximately six weeks traveling, which I have to tell you is not the ideal way to get sober. Uh, Did I know I needed to get sober? Not really. That's the thing. I, um... It's something I had been worried about for a long time, many, many years. However, uh, you know, I come from an alcoholic lineage. It is something that I've always been concerned about. Right about a year ago, when I was 44 or so, I patted myself on the back, I remember this, and thought, well, if you're not an alcoholic now, you're never going to be one. So, um, but it happened anyway, and it was a quick slide. Uh, these things happen in many different ways. For me, I drank too much for a long time, uh, when I quit my day job and about more than two years ago now, just a little bit more than two years ago, I realized I could drink every day if I wanted to. And I did, I started consuming vaster and vaster quantities, quantities of alcohol. Uh, it's like this. I felt it. I actually felt it happen, which is why I know it happened six months before I quit drinking. Um, it happened right around the time of my mother-in-law's death. I felt like this switch had been flipped and I suddenly couldn't get enough of anything. It is actually, in fact, the time I started to journal a lot. Um, I didn't know all these things were related. I'm only putting them together now, but, uh, I, I couldn't get enough of anything. Um, I was pretty miserable. My entire brain was completely caught up in wondering uh, when I could next drink, how I could remain sober looking, how I could keep it from people, how I could 
uh, drink just enough so that I could wake up in the morning and do a good job at my job, do good writing. Um, I was super high functioning. I'm still writing, publishing, etc. all of this stuff. Uh, but I wasn't grieving. And I think grief really uh, flipped the switch for me. And then when a friend of mine died about two and a half months ago, I... It's, it's when I started to feel what I was doing. I was just trying to numb all emotions and I was getting pretty good at it. Um, and back in, I'm being very candid with you guys. This is probably, this is not probably, this might be a bad idea. I am early in recovery. I'm sharing it with a lot of people and, uh, no pressure. I actually don't feel pressure though, because the way I run and operate is kind of this crazy honesty anyway. And you know that about me if you listen to my show. So, um, if I slip and relapse, (laughs) you'll probably be the first to know. But I, uh, anyway, so back to, um, probably around November. So this was a few months after I really started going downhill. I started to journal in a real serious way, like every morning, 20 minutes. I was basically trying to do the morning pages, but on my computer, I would get up. So first thing I would do, I would journal. And for months, months and months, every other day was, do I have a problem with alcohol? Am I an alcoholic? (laughs) Because that's what uh, non-alcoholics write about every day. Clue one. Uh, But I gave myself, you know, I gave myself all of those internet quizzes to see if I was an alcoholic. And unhelpfully, they do not tell you. The only person who could tell yourself that is you. But I gave myself a limit of alcohol. Of course, I'd done that in the past, you know, and I'd blown past all of those things. You know, I'll only have two glasses of wine tonight. I'll take a week off. I'll um, only drink a beer when Lala gets home. You know, all of these rules that you put to yourself and you blow past. But I gave myself a real hard and fast limit. I think it was a nine drinks a week or something like that, whatever they recommended. It was either nine or 12, whatever they recommended uh, safe amount was from my doctor, um, from my insurance company. I just figured it was a good thing because if I'm not an alcoholic, I won't have a problem sticking to that. And then I wrote down, if I do not stick to this, this time next month, I'll know I'm an alcoholic. And of course I ignored that. I ignored that. I wrote it down. I had to go searching for it in February after I had a real bad time and found that and realized that no matter no, what, what restriction I put on myself, I could not not drink. So, um, I wrote the words on February 20th for the very first time. I am an alcoholic. And then, uh, I don't normally swear on this show. So sorry about this, but, um, right under that, I wrote fuck, 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 fuck. And, um, I was in a 12 step meeting about three hours later and, um, I do not speak for any 12 step meeting. I never will. I cannot. And I, I won't. Um, but I got to tell you 12 step meetings, are the only way it's working for me. It feels like um, the change between night and day. It really does. I have 65 days sober as of today, clean and sober. And I am so much happier. It is so much easier to connect with people. I would not have believed this would happen so fast. I would never have thought this could work for me. And I have so much gratitude and so much joy and so much excitement. And I know that I run positive. I really do. Um, I, yeah, sometimes I run a little bit too positive and I am on this pink cloud of happiness. Uh, but 
it just feels really good. I love waking up clear headed in the morning. I love being able to connect with people, to look in their eyes and to make this connection without having in the back of my head, this voice saying, am I slurring my words? Um, or if I haven't had any alcohol, when am I going to get some alcohol? It's just so quiet and so peaceful. And that damn word serenity is pretty awesome. So, um, but, but for the month of March, when I was gone in Barcelona and all of those preloaded podcasts were playing, um, I wasn't on vacation. I took March as this vacation month. I was really on like sobriety. And I, I, I studied it. I ate it. I drank it. I, um, invested myself in it. It was pretty freaking awesome. It was a great thing to be able to do, to spend that time. Like I went to a meeting to three meetings every day in Barcelona. Uh, I got to know Barcelona in a way that I never would have before. I took the bus and the train every day to all sorts of different parts of Barcelona to get to these English speaking meetings. Um, it was great. And I did very similar things in Italy where I just got back on Sunday night. Um, I've had my Venice retreat, writer's retreat, which was fantastic. I was terrified about doing it sober. Even the last year I did it sober. I didn't drink. Um, I said, and I believed that I was avoiding drinking because I wanted to avoid a migraine, which was true. Uh, drinking often triggers migraines for me. And I didn't want to get a migraine when I am the teacher in a foreign country. I really needed to be all together. But that's the, that's the thing. I really needed to be all together for these women last year. So I white knuckled it. No drinking. The very first thing I did on that last day was have a drink, I remember. So I didn't know how I was going to be able to handle Italy, which has always been a drinking place for me um, this year. And it was just fantastic. It was, it was so joyful. It was, the retreat itself was insane. It was so good. The women who showed up, um, the 14 of them were so awesome. It was such an honor to be with them and to write with them and to write next to them. We had such a good time doing our trips. We did this, uh, row Venice one afternoon, which is a women owned nonprofit company that takes you out in the, the the larger gondola and teaches you how to row standing up and how to steer standing up on the back. And it was fantastic. We have great pictures from that. Um, what else happened in Italy? It was just wonderful to be there. That is my, Venice is my town. I know it's a cliche. I know I'm an upper middle-class middle-aged white woman in love with Venice. <laughs> and uh, it's ridiculous, but it's it's the way it is. I love that city. I am in love with Venice. It is absolutely unrequited. Venice is this um, precious, serene jewel who I know she thinks of these uh, tourists, of which I am one, always will be one, um, are like pigeons. We are just everywhere. We make noise and trash and waste and she ignores us. She never, ever sees us. Venice never sees us. So I'm in love with this city who will never know I'm alive and it doesn't matter. I just have to be there. And it was wonderful. It was perfect. So, um, but I'm very glad to be home. I am tired, my bunnies. I am tired of traveling. I'm also super stoked about traveling and about the fact that I get to do it. And next weekend, I'm going to Chicago to be at the Selmore Books Summit, which is going to be great. I'm doing a live performance, not performance, a live podcast recording of The Pedal to the Metal with my pal Jay Thorne. And that will be fun. I bought some camouflage pants to wear. So I'm going to be looking good. Uh, but after that, I think I'm back for a little while. I am 
uh, again, doing the revision on this thriller. The um, I got a revision from another revision from my agent, whom I love, who's always right. Uh, uh, while I was gone in March, and I just wrote back to her and said, I am on vacation, and then I'm going to go to Italy, so um, I'll do this as soon as I can. Now I'm back in it. I'm loving it. It feels great. Everything she said was right. And, um, so hopeful for that. Hopefully you'd be done with that in about a week or so. Got a couple other articles I need to write as well. And then I have like three books that are burning inside me that I really want to write. So I need to do some, um, some planning and some prioritizing real soon. That's going to be happening in my work life. What else is going on? Oh, I have started something that I hope maybe you will want to be part of. I'm going to invite you right now. I started a Slack channel. Slack is an app um, that you can use on your phone or your computer. And it's basically a place to collect messages from people uh, on certain topics. So my Slack channel is Onward Writers, just like my Facebook group. And in that group are people who come in. You can post your goal for the day. Like, I want to write a thousand words or I really need to finish this scene, um, or I need to plot out to the end of chapter three. And post it, post it in there that you're going to be doing that and then come back and tell us how you did. There's a channel in there to to whine. There's a channel in there to talk about plot problems. Um, I don't know if any of this will be used, but there's already people chatting in there and it's pretty cool. There is a link and you can add yourself to the Slack channel. Um, The only place I think that is real handy to put it is in my Facebook group. So come join my Facebook group. Um, just search Facebook Onward Writers. I think it should come up. Um, ask to join. I usually approve in a day or two because I am not good at Facebook people. I apologize about that. But in there is the link to join the Slack. Um, so I've just been leaving it up on my desktop and telling people, okay, I'm going in now. I'm going to do some revising. Wish me luck. So please come do that if you would like to. Um, also while I was gone for so long, so long, basically I have not done a live, uh, update on what's going on in at least six weeks, probably more. Uh, I've gotten a bunch of Patreon subscribers. So let me give a quick shout out real quick because I do not want to miss any of these people who have come in since March. Um, Suzanne Lavin, Lisa Doherty, uh, Bethany Heron. Jeez, I forgot about that. That's my sister. She did not need to do that. I'm going to have to buy her a coffee. Olga Kultragina. That's a pretty name. Kara Fleck, Trina Edwards, Megan Smith, uh, Jessica Bacho, Maggie Manani, Cassidy Thompson, James S. Aaron, Ellie Beck, and Bethany Luna um, are all new Patreon pledges. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, If you're a Patreon subscriber, you got my last article about traveling in which I did mention getting sober. Um, I I didn't go into it as depth as I wanted to because I figured that's a bad idea. Uh, But it really feels like I need to be honest about this because this is a very large part of who I am. And I have this suspicion that it's going to be a large part of who I am for the rest of my life. Um, I've said this to a few people, but there are these fears that we let go of. 
And wait, before I get into the fear thing, I'm forgetting to be businesslike. Um, if you would like to support my Patreon, it's at patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And in that you get um, essays on the creative life and particularly what I'm doing this year, experimenting in trying to make myself feel better to fill that bottomless well that I suddenly had at the end of last year. Uh, I came to the conclusion that I was working too hard and not playing enough, which is part of it. But I also completely closed my eyes to the addiction part of it, which is hilarious to me now, where I can see things a lot more clearly. Um, I was completely emptied out at the wall. Is that a phrase? No. Hit the wall and um, had nothing left within my creative reserves because I was an addict an alcoholic and needed to quit that shit. This is a, this is a swearing episode. I apologize. Oh yeah. Back to the fears that I was going to talk about. Um, when my mom died, something happened to me that very day that I did not see coming. Uh, all of these fears were released that I didn't know I had, that if you had asked me, I would not have been able to articulate them. Uh, the day that she died, perhaps two hours after she died, I felt this relief. I understood that she would never fall and break a hip. She would never get Alzheimer's, that I would never have to wonder with my sisters if we should put her in a home, that um, there were all of these bad things that couldn't happen anymore because she was dead. It was the worst case scenario. She's dead. These worst, these bad things can't happen to her. Um, but it was still a sense of relief of this, uh, this, this fear bullet that's been dodged. And I had the same reaction when I wrote those words, I am an alcoholic. Um, all of this, this fear fell away. It was this, it was the one thing I didn't want to happen. It was probably the thing I was most scared of and have been for 25 years. Something I've been very actively watching and concerned about for 25 years of drinking. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm 45 now. So that's, that's about right. And as soon as I admitted it, the worst had happened. I'm just a plain old average alcoholic. Like the only thing I have to do now is not take the first drink. Every 24 hours, I make the decision not to drink today. I'm not going to take the first drink. If you don't take the first drink, you can't get drunk. It's not easy, but it is so simple. It is so simple. And a lot of other fears just fell away. The worst has happened. I just, I just march forward now and I live my life in a different way. Um, it feels like a much more authentic and honest way because I was spending a lot of time hiding a lot of crap from people that I love and that's not okay. So I'm here. I'm happy. I'm very, very, very grateful. I'm very knowledgeable. I'm not very knowledgeable. I'm very, I, I know very clearly that these are early days, 65 days. I'm a baby in sobriety. I could be, I could lose all this in an instant and pick up a drink. I could lose all of it. So there's a, there's a small part of me. I've always reacted well to accountability. Um, so saying it out loud to you guys increases that accountability in my own head. Uh, I'm not tempted to drink, honestly, um, today, today, I'm not tempted to drink so far today. Um, but perhaps if I am the idea that you guys know, maybe it'll slow me down a little bit. I am not putting any weight on you guys though. My problem is my problem to deal with, never ever yours. So uh, I appreciate you listening and um, 
bearing with me on this. And if you clicked away, then, then you're already gone. But uh, th- to those of you who are still listening, I appreciate being able to be myself with you. I feel like, and I, I actually know this is true, that I'm going to be a better writer because of this, that I'm going to be a better friend. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better daughter, a better sister, um, probably a better eater of chocolate and definitely a better drinker of coffee. Dude, my addiction has switched and I am stuck on coffee, um, but I don't care. And um, I'm very excited to move forward into this new chapter of my life. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for writing. Thank you for Being someone who shares your own truth, whether that's through nonfiction or fiction, that's how we're sharing our truth. And um, I just want to thank you for being a part of my community of how do you write, of onward writers, of just being pals with Rachel. Um, I cannot tell you how much it means to me. And I love that you're here. So uh, send me an email, send me a Facebook message, a tweet. That's what those are called. Anytime. I'm around and I appreciate you. So thanks for listening. And next week, uh, you will enjoy the awesome interview with Tessa Dare. I know. Are you excited? So come back next week. Um, It'll be up again. I'm back onto a regular schedule. Hopefully. We'll see. Okay. Take Take care, darlings, and get some writing done. Okay. Ciao. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.